the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bible says if, it, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's just a step of obedience. I found this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, there would be no sense in saying you trusted Jesus if you would not take his advice. So that's what I'm asking you today. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Are, are you a person of faith? Are you a religious person? And so that's what he asks. And he runs to him. He says, do you understand what you're reading? So just get the picture. You've got the chariot chaser, Philip, running alongside this chariot where this man is reading a scroll. And it's Isaiah. And he says, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and to sit with him. All along, God is preparing the path. All along, God is giving him an opportunity. That's what Jesus does when we live the Jesus way, right? He allows us to have everyday conversations that turn into gospel opportunities. Philip was about to have a gospel opportunity with this man from Ethiopia. There are people all around you that need those same kind of conversations that God is putting in your path so that you can talk to them, so that you can present the good news of Jesus Christ to them. He's put them near you so that you can help them have a full understanding of the faith. It says in verse 32, now the passage of the scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Now, I want to ask you a a question. And usually when I ask questions in which I require a response, I make them pretty easy in church. This is one of those questions. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. Who is he talking about, church? (laughs) That's right. He's talking about Jesus. It's like we sing, he was the lamb who was slaughtered in our place. Jesus was sacrificed in our place. I was asked this week, why, why was there ever a sacrificial system? Why did animals have to die in the Old Testament? For people to be right with God. That's a great question. Do you know the answer? The Bible says in Genesis. That when Adam and Eve sinned. They broke fellowship with God. But that's not the only consequence of sin. There's also punishment. And from the very beginning. The punishment of sin. Was death. And by the way. That's why we believe that we physically die. All because our great grandparents sinned. We have eternal life, either with God in heaven or in a place called hell. So the sacrificial system was instituted because God wanted to restore that fellowship. 
And so some men still had to die because that's just a rule. That's a law. And so the animals died and their blood was shed so that that right relationship with God could be restored. When Jesus came, he became the sacrifice once and for all, for you, for me, for everyone who's ever lived. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven. Do you understand that? He's already done everything necessary for your forgiveness. He's already done everything that had to be accomplished so that you could experience that reunited fellowship with God. And that's the story that the prophet Isaiah was talking about that the Ethiopian man was reading. It was the lamb who was sent to the slaughter. Perhaps he read these words from Isaiah. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. But God laid on him the iniquity, the sinfulness of us all. And so now the man in the chariot has a question. He turns to Philip and the eunuch says to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say? About himself or about someone else? And I love that question because he's saying, who is this guy? And that reminds me of one of my favorite stories in all of ministry. Nearly 30 years, it's the story of them all. And the day that she came into the church office and And she had cried out to God that he would just show himself if he were real. And that night she had had a vision and she saw this man robed in white. And it startled her so that she showed up at our church. A Muslim background lady from a different country showed up at this church. And she said, can I speak to a pastor? And she sat down with Pastor Zach. And she talked about that dream and the man dressed in white. And she said to him, Pastor, who is that man? The same thing this Ethiopian asked. Who is that man? Then Philip opened his mouth and he beginning with the scriptures. He told him the good news about Jesus. I want you to understand something. That's what it means to have a gospel opportunity. To start where a person is. And then just take them to Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Remember there's just two categories. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You have a story. It goes like this, before Jesus, I met Jesus, after Jesus. And then you just fill in your blanks. Maybe it's like this, before Jesus, I struggled with fear. Before Jesus, I was an addict. Before Jesus, I was uh, sexually promiscuous. Before Jesus, whatever, fill in the blank. Then you say, I met Jesus. Maybe you say, I, I was in a church service and the light came on and I met Jesus. Or a, a coworker was sharing with me, about their faith, that I met Jesus. And then you talk about the differences made. Hey, I sometimes get afraid, but now when I'm afraid, I trust in Jesus. And, and you know what? I still have temptations, but now when I'm tempted, I, I recognize it because of Jesus. There's nothing I face that I can't overcome. See, all you do is you point people to Jesus. And so having this conversation, and then it gets interesting because it says, and as they were going along, The road, they they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And you see something that we have to learn from. When you truly surrender your life to Jesus, 
it results in an instant desire for obedience. So this Ethiopian, he gets it. He sees the prophet Isaiah is pointing to Jesus. Philip then leads him to Jesus. He trusts Jesus. And then he comes to some water. And if you're reading this in the Greek language, which it still gets the main meaning, but if you're reading this in the Greek language, it literally says, hey, 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 whoa, 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 Um, there's some water. I'm supposed to get baptized, right? Now, why does he do that? Because he's heard the teaching. He's probably heard through Philip what Jesus taught, which was repent and be baptized. It was a simple message. I was reading earlier this morning about Billy Graham. You know what I love about Billy Graham? It was a simple message. He would stand up all around the world and he would say the same thing over and over and over again. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. (laughs) He would talk about sin. He would talk about your need to follow him. Then he'd sing just as I am and thousands of people would get saved. Why? Because it's simple. And Jesus gave a simple message. Repent. You're going your way. You're controlled by sin. You're controlled by yourself. You just need to turn. Turn to Jesus. When you turn to Jesus, you start going his way. As you go his way, the first thing you do along the path is take time to stop and be baptized. Baptism is not just a symbol. It's a step of obedience. And some of you today, you're living in disobedience. And you say, well, wait a second, I'm, I'm not out drinking, I'm not carousing, my language is okay, I come to church, I, I've just not done that yet, I'm not comfortable, or I came from a different tradition. I'm just telling you, according to Scripture, delayed obedience is still disobedience. In a lifetime in the Word, and 30 years in ministry, I've never seen God bless the disobedient life. I've seen a lot of people try. They've got different areas of disobedience in their life. And I don't understand why God doesn't bless me. He doesn't bless disobedience. So this guy knew something some of us don't understand. If if I'm going to live my life for Christ, I've got to act on this now. And so it says, he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And then notice how the story is. It says, and when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns he came into until he got to Caesarea. I, I love this story because it speaks to what happens after we leave a place like this, after we encounter the gospel. One of two things happen, maybe both. The guy that got saved, the Ethiopian, he's headed back to Africa. He's probably the first African convert. He becomes an African missionary. Our church has people from many, many nations in Africa. If you are from Africa and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to say thank you to this guy. Because he took the gospel to Africa. All right? So he left rejoicing. We've already said this, but why was he rejoicing? When you encounter the gospel, that's the appropriate response. That's why it doesn't make sense when you come to church and you see people who are professing to follow Christ and they look like they just ate a bowl full of garlic. When you encounter Jesus, the right response is joy. So he left rejoicing. How did Philip leave? Well, Philip left on the holy elevator because the Spirit of God took him, which is kind of curious. 
but he left resent because his job wasn't done. When you leave today, you'll drive past a sign that says you are sent because we don't view this time as a box you check off. We view this as an opportunity for you to get recharged, for you to get refocused, to you get tuned in with Jesus, and then to be sent out in your little corner of the world on mission for him. That's what took place in this story. There's so many things. Oh, goodness, what a great story. So many things. For example, it just reminds us that God arranges meetings. Aren't you thankful that God cares about the details of your life? There really aren't accidents or chance or don't let me hear you say, well, I guess it was fate. That's not the way it works. But what the prophet Jeremiah said, it's true for you. God knows the plans he has for you. So he sets up divine appointments and he did it for Philip and he'll do it for you. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. In fact, Acts 17 tells us that it's God that determines our boundaries. Some of you are wondering, how did I ever end up in Tampa? Why do I live here? God determines your boundary. Isn't that awesome? You may have thought you took a job. You may have thought your family moved you here. But God in his providence, providence is the hand of God over the arc of history. God in his sovereignty, sovereign means he's sitting on his throne. He's in control. God has you here and you're here like Queen Esther for such a time as this. And God wants to use you if you are a follower of his for his glory right where you are. Another truth I love about this is God uses imperfect people for his perfect purpose. Philip, he wasn't Billy Graham. (laughs) Matter of fact, he's just, he's a deacon in the church. And yet he realized, even though he wasn't one of the apostles, he wasn't one of the original disciples, and God wanted to use him to help get the message out. And he did. And then we've got his obedience, right? What an example of obedience. The Spirit didn't tell him exactly where to go. Just go south to the desert. Okay. He didn't tell him what he was going to do. He just told him to go, and he went. You want to live faithfully for Jesus? Half the job's just showing up. Just put your two feet on the floor every day and say, God, I thank you for giving me another day of life. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Half the job's showing up, the other half's opening up. You just open your life to the people around you and let them see Jesus in you. So how do we live that way? It's what I would describe as living where you love loudly. 
where you're led by the Spirit of God. And where you're constantly looking for opportunities. I want to make it simple. So let me give it to you. Number one, you've, you've got to position yourself. You've got to make sure you're in a position to be used by God. And for some of you, that may mean confession, <laughs> repentance, and, and repositioning. Because you're not in a setting currently where, where God's going to use you. You're, you're putting yourself in some positions that are not honoring to Him, that are not pleasing to Him. And that's just a simple spiritual truth. If, if I want God's will in my life, I've got to position myself kind of in accordance with his will. And I learned something even as, I think, probably a teenager that helps me with that. It, it means I want to stay fat. You heard me right. I want to stay fat. I take those three letters. I want to stay faithful. So every day I want to wake up and say, God, I want to be faithful. I know I'm going to fail you, but I want to pursue holiness today. I want to live for your glory. I, I want to make those decisions that honor you. God, I want to be available. I want to go wherever you want me to go. I know I'm not setting the boundaries, you are. And then, oh God, I want to be teachable. The best people I meet in life are those that clearly exhibit that they're lifelong learners. That they're teachable. I was thinking earlier today, you know, when I was younger, I felt like I talked a lot and I thought I knew everything. Now that I'm a little older, I realize how much I don't know and I just want to talk less. I want to be teachable. I, I want to get this right. I, I want to understand everything there is. So I want to look for opportunities to be used by God. What, what's interesting here, God's opportunity for Philip was not in the limelight. It wasn't at a place where others would see him. And we live in a day where you feel like it didn't really happen if you don't put it on social media. Everybody's got to see everything I do. That's not the case here. God called Philip away from the multitude in Samaria to go to the one on the road to Gaza. Speaking of one, who's your one? Who's that one person that you've been praying for, that you're sharing those gospel conversations with? Who's that one person in your little corner of the world that God has placed you here so that they can hear, so that they can know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that they can have the opportunity to choose heaven? Who's your one person that's in the flap of your Bible or in your notebook that you're praying for? Who's that one? And if you don't have one, oh, in the name of Jesus, please ask God to lay at least one person on your heart. And pray for God to give you the opportunity to have gospel conversations. You've got to position yourself. And, and then secondly, you've got to present yourself. Now this is close, but it's a little different. So let me see if I can explain it. I learned this as a child. Because I remember when I, I first went to school. For me, it was first grade. Because we had church kindergarten. And I, I first went to school and I realized there was a job I had first thing in the morning every day. I would wait for that teacher to call my name. And then when she did, I would say, present. Here I am, present and accounted for. Here. 
And so again, the first thing you want to do, if, if you want to be used by God, you've got to make sure you're not doing things that take you out of a position used by him. But then secondly, you want to present yourself and say, God, here I am. It's like what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 6 and verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for me? Then I said, what did he say? Here am I, send me. Say, here am I. That should be your prayer every day. Here am I, Lord. Say, send me. When Kimberly and I were in seminary, we got to the end. We'd been married a year, and we didn't know what was next. Our, our yes was on the table. And the office there at the school in Fort Worth, Texas, they gave us this form we're supposed to fill out. And on the form, you put the degree that you had and the things you felt like God was calling you to do. And then it had a section that says, what part of the United States do you want to live in? Man, I've got so many faults and so many flaws, so many areas I still sin. But I can remember even as a young seminarian thinking, that's not right. What do you mean, where do I? I'm not doing this because I want to live somewhere. I'm not doing this because I've got my life all figured out. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. That's what I sign up for. Wherever you lead, I'll go. That's what I want to challenge you to think like. But you put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. You say, here I am, Lord. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all to you. How do we sing that and then not live it? Present yourself. And then thirdly, prepare yourself. Like Philip, we've got to be prepared. So an interesting thing happens. (laughs) Philip's running Run alongside the chariot. Hey, you understand what you're reading there? Uh, well, matter of fact, I, I'm not sure I do. Can you come up here and explain it? Yeah, can you slow down? I'm not out of breath. So he gets up there and he starts where he is. And then some of your translations say this clearly. Using other scriptures, he leads him to Jesus. So part of why we come into a gathering like this is so that we can help be prepared. It's what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. Do your best to present yourself as an approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So I dig into God's word. That's why we have community groups so you can gather in smaller groups to study God's word so that you can understand, so that you can be prepared. That's why I learned as a child, Psalms 119.11. I've stored your word in my heart that I may not sin in you. So so I want to memorize God's word. I want to know some of these passages of scripture. Why? So that I can defend my faith, that I can tell other people what I believe. It's 1 Peter 3.15. In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as holy. Always being prepared. Say always. always. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. So for several weeks, I've, I've done something that I've not done in ministry. I've I've just tried to help you get prepared. And so we've given you some tools. And, you know, I've got a lot of tools at my house, but I never use them. And some of you have tools, and you're not using them. We gave you this tool. It's called three circles. And I told you you could just draw three circles on a piece of paper, and you could begin by saying there's an ideal. God's ideal is that he has a right relationship with you, but our sin gets in the way of that design. And that sin is anything we do that God said don't do or anything we don't do that God said do and we're all sinners. And that always leads us to brokenness, that second circle. And 
And if we were to raise our hands, every one of us have broken lives. We have pain. We have shame. And that's a result of sin. But God doesn't want you to stay there. That's good news. That's the gospel. God does not want you to stay there. So when you believe in Jesus and you turn from that life of sin, you, you experience the good news of Jesus. And, and that puts you on a path of recovery. And, and you're able to restore that right relationship with Jesus. And, and you're able to pursue God's ideal and God's best again. So that's one of the tools we gave you. Last week, I gave you another tool. It's called the best news. It starts this way. Hey, there's bad news. All you got to do is turn on the news to realize there's bad news in our world. But the bad news is we're all sinners. We've all blown it. There's worse news. The worst news is, don't you like it when somebody says, I got bad news and I got worse news, which you want. The worst news is there's punishment for that sin and it's death. But there's good news. And the good news is Jesus died so that you don't have to die. And there's actually some best news. And the best news is, is once you trust Jesus, you're never going back. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.